welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. At the time of recording, we're both uh, still under recommended quarantines by both of our employers, not us specifically singled out, although I guess I can't speak for you, but rather uh, it's a kind of mandatory work from home time, which is, um, I mean, all of this, this stuff in the news about you're supposed to be socially isolating and everything is just, I mean, it's a dream come true, to be honest. <laughs> it's a way for me to feel like a hero for doing what I was going to do anyways. <laughs> Yeah, now you're uh now you're really like, yeah, I'm I'm uh, taking one for the team. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's like being a gamer on a rainy day. It's like I was going to be playing video games anyways, but now people aren't going to give me sideways glances. <laughs> right. Right. In fact, they're like, "Oh, we get it. Yeah, that's the uh, really the only uh, recommended <laughs> entertainment uh, yeah. at this point." So, hey, uh, we we are starting this recording 10 minutes late. It's my fault. 15 minutes late actually. It's my fault because I was running credits on Ori in the Blind Forest. Oh, wow. Or, or sorry, Ori forest? in the Will okay. of the Wisps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what a game. I've not made it to the credits yet, but that's impressive. Um, you really flew right through that one. I, well, as I was working from home, basically any time I had a spare minute between <laughs> meetings, I could kind of jump back in, but... I have to say, it's, um, I don't know if it was as emotional of an experience as uh, the first one was for me, but uh, what a what a wonderful game, and the, and the combat, uh, I think, even, like, enhances it that much more. Yeah, I'm, I'm really liking it. I, I'm having a little bit of trouble with, like, if I have to nitpick, nitpick and complain about little tiny things, is like, I kind of wish that the, the dash would give you some iframes to dash through enemies, because yeah. dashing away, as far as I can tell, is really your only like dodge escape from attacks. And that isn't always going to do it. You can find yourself backed up against a wall or a pit pretty easily. And then you just like really have no option for dodging certain attacks. And um, I feel like there are times when things glow so profusely that it's hard to keep track of what anything on screen is because it's all just like looking straight into the sun <laughs> yeah i the other thing about it i mean i don't know what you're i assume you're playing it on pc yeah i am playing it xbox one x and mm. as as much as i've been enjoying it boy the performance is just garbage for me um <laughs> really really bad. stories but probably shouldn't comment in an official capacity <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know if uh have you are you at the point where you're kind of you've been to like the ice place uh no okay so there's these enemies that kind of uh they're like platforms but they snap shut like venus fly traps okay i can count no less than a dozen times that those things locked up my console completely oh <laughs> or actually just shut down and hard rebooted the game Ooh. Wow. The thank goodness for the generous checkpoint system. I really did not lose um that much time, but boy oh boy, I was like this is just an enemy. Surely you QA'd for an enemy. I uh yeah, I I don't know. That's um that's surprising. <laughs> yeah. I I complain it is still one of my uh favorite games this year so far. I know we're only into March, but Ori has a special place in my heart, and I think the the ending is a real treat. So you'll you'll enjoy it. And we're just a couple days before Animal Crossing and Doom, at the time of recording. So yeah, we're off to. A, I mean, you, 
I don't think 2020 got off to as quick of a start as 2019 did, or uh, even 2018 before that, but like, it's really picking up the pace come March. It really is. Anyways, let's get to some video game pitches. Okay, so I'm going first today, and um, one of the things that I really enjoy watching, I've spoken about many times before, is like, I love a good speedrun. And uh, all these mm. speedrun events, the uh, GDQ events, like I'm just kind of I'm glued to the screen, and I just love kind of having those open in a second window uh, during that entire week when they're streaming. Um, it's a real treat, and uh, one of the things that's always enjoyable uh, for me is the uh, the Taz bots, the tool assisted speed bot uh, speedruns that mm. um, people program. Uh, do you know how they do these? I, I guess I should give the context no, regardless. No, yeah, I don't know what these are. So uh, TAS, uh, T-A-S for Tool Assisted Speedrun, is when somebody uses an emulator and basically programs in like frame-by-frame controls beforehand so they can basically just press play and then the game will essentially play itself, but like more perfectly than any human could ever dream of playing it and so in on uh there's kind of two purposes that these serve one is just like plain showing off or sometimes even like doing silly stuff with it there's a really great um really great taz run of uh one of the brain age games on nintendo ds where it's just like drawing silly pictures but it's done in such a way that like it tricks the game into thinking that it actually input the right answers and so it's all these things that like the uh the the runner programmed in beforehand uh to basically like rule out any kind of randomization and to get like a a pixel perfect run of a game um it's good for showing off and just for doing things that would be impossible otherwise but also it's important in the speedrunning community because even though by definition these are robotic and you know more perfect than any human could be they're oftentimes used as ways of kind of like charting out strategies for humans to aspire to and so some of the some of the um strategies or some of the um tricks that were developed in uh, tool assisted runs ended up being adopted by the human runners eventually um, <laughs> when they get when they get good enough to be able to do it yeah yeah and so basically you know it's it's a way of like of saying that you know you know we uh we had no idea that this was possible we saw a robot do it and so we're gonna try <laughs> we're gonna try and oftentimes they do figure out a way to do it even with our uh, puny mortal squishy little fingers and um that's always impressive but anyways it's a roundabout way of getting to the pitch of basically saying that i want a game about programming a tool assisted speedrun. um basically it's a difficult platformer but you can rewind inch forward you know frame by frame place jumps like you were splicing together a film uh, dives, punches, whatever, onto a timeline. Um, kind of like braid or super hot in a way, but, um, you know, basically ruling out any of those kind of like real-time elements. So basically it's all step-by-step. You can probably play real-time, but for the most part it's supposed to be taken like a, uh, like you're editing a film. So anyways, I'm gonna start the clock there and see where it goes. One of the things that I think is cool about this is... The, the idea of what you could do with a sort of interface. So being able to not only choose like a command like jump, but then to be able to go and see 
like maybe the next thing that you dial in and you can imagine like a round sort of joystick based interface to calculate the angle of the jump and you get the sort of uh, the thing that you get in in pool video games where it actually is just like showing you Mm. the arc so it's exposing all the mechanics before you yeah i would would want something that kind of um reflects some level of like the real life types of inputs so you know like in in mario you have the different levels of like of a quick um a button press versus like a long a button hold uh to get different jump arcs and stuff like that and uh kind of educate people on how they would make these bots in the first place just imagine if you did the same thing but there are certain levels like in a platformer that are auto scrollers. And essentially what the auto scroller means is you have to be inputting the commands on a timer. Like you have a countdown mm. to, Oh, okay. Isn't this is just like this- a regular game. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But <laughs> I guess so. But it almost is more like, uh, I'm thinking of like an active time battle or something. It's kind of like always these micro pauses to decide what the next thing is going to be. You know, after uh, Twitch Plays Pokemon finished up, they uh, they tried doing Twitch Plays Dark Souls and um, had a bit of trouble with that, as you can expect. Uh, Dark Souls being a much more difficult game than Pokemon and uh, due to its kind of like real time elements. And so what they did is they ended up like creating a mod that paused Dark Souls every like couple seconds and then they would like let the commands basically like fill up through the Twitch chat and then it would take the most popular command from the whatever two seconds that it was paused and then input that. And so it almost turned Dark Souls into like a turn-based game. And so, you know, there are ways that this could even be done um, navigating three-dimensional space or more kind of like difficult combat type of uh, mechanics like like that as well. Yeah, you could even see like doing a easy slash medium hard, normal hard mode and the difference between the three modes is how much information you'll get about the move that you're sort of programming in so you can imagine easy mode maybe you could even go as far as to to program the surface or the spot that you want the character to end up and they will kind of get there for you in any way they can but uh hmm. then all the way on the hardest mode you'll have like three or four different factors you're calculating and you have to do jump height intensity and angle uh and then you can even you'll even see like frame data so you're like there's actually an interruptible frame in the middle of the jump where you can Mm. possibly double jump and stuff i've got all this uh mechanics of movement in my head from ori at the moment yeah gosh you could um I mean, you could do all different types of games. I don't know if it would be like a, if within this one package that we would be selling that it would come with like multiple genres or these would be sequels, but I can imagine doing like a fighting game and having all that frame data um, kind of close at hand and can really kind of teach you the ins and outs of a fighting game because, you know, you're essentially programming one at that point. I'm trying to think about like what what is like an addition onto this? Can you like create different moves for the character? Maybe you get these like micro frame things and you can build a particular type of dash or type of jump. Like I know Mario has his in the, in the super Mario world uh, universe, he has his spin jump and his regular jump and they both have different arcs and different uh, amounts of damage potentially that they do to enemies. So 
maybe there's also kind of like a build your own kind of move set. And so people are programming not just what the character's actions are, but the types of moves to to pull it off and like, oh, I've actually built this move that shaves 3% of the frames off of the world record speeder, you know, like you're always optimizing. I think there are techniques that you can learn. Um, I don't want to actually get into like reprogramming the ways that the game like fundamentally works because then it, this just kind of turns into like a different practice. Um, you know, you're you essentially hacking the game at that point or playing kind of like a game shark simulator. Um, but, uh, you know, like Mario world, like that has crazy amount of depth that people don't even really touch on by, you know, bouncing shells off of walls, catching them in midair and jumping off of them or, you know, the spin jump on, on top of certain objects. And there are ways to kind of like get half height or double height based on, you know, letting go of buttons and, and pressing them again at the same point. So there are mechanics like that, that I think it would make sense to make sense to understand and, uh, and kind of learn as you go. But essentially like, I would love if it played back like a real time replay, kind of like super hot does of what this would look like if there wasn't all the pausing and rewinding and stuff. And so it's kind of like that, uh, that gif that goes around that, uh, Mario maker two gif of the person dodging all of the, the fire wheels on, um, on that particularly, uh, sadistic stage. Do you think in this scenario that people can like control what is in the game, like in the environment, can you spawn these turtle shells or whatever, or is the trick like the level is very set and people are just sort of navigating within it because this is almost a auto Mario maker like <laughs> sort of experience. Yeah. I kind of picture it as being one of those like, like extremely difficult platformers. Like somebody made like a Kaizo Mario level or like, I want to be the guy or something like that. And maybe not something that intentionally tries to trick you, but something that just re- like by the nature of the game requires, you know, pixel perfect timing and precision And so, you know, once, you know, now that you're able to kind of like see into the matrix and break down the code and rewind and pause and use save states and everything, all these tools that are available to you, then you can start, you know, playing at an inhumanly good level. Um, But, you know, kind of a standardized, like maybe there could even be like races within, uh, within these. So if, if it is a set of standardized levels, then people, even though they are, you know, programming these Tazvots and, and presumably getting, you know, pixel perfect jumps off of things, people could find other routes. People could find, you know, little tricks to shave seconds off of their time. So There could be like a real world element of trying to kind of out optimize each other on this as well. Yeah. I like the idea of like, not only do you program these movesets or whatever, but potentially an additional thing. I imagine that these speedrunners have access to this. You're programming the exact inputs on the controller per those movesets. So maybe there's like, a, you know, in the same way that you see like an Ocarina of Time speedrun and the people are just like essentially Z targeting and backflipping mm-hmm. everywhere. I like the idea of uh, having the sort of controller level control. And then of course the sort of character animation level control, this could be pretty cool. It's almost like it's a, it's a coding game at this point. Yeah, essentially, or um, kind of like the recent John wick hex game where you're kind of programming in the, 
the actions that are performed by the character at various points in the timeline of going through a level to make sure that he kind of executes everything that he needs to do within that time. Once you hit the play button and then it kind of plays out like a, like a scene from the movie, essentially. Anyways, we're, we're out of, we're out of time here. Let's, uh, let's move beyond this one. Let's give it a name. Feel like there's auto or program or something. Yeah. Do we need a name auto? Auto. Cause a lot of these games are named after like the character so if it was a programmer it could be like like soup like superb autos superb autos i don't know um <laughs> I, I you're off to a auto, strong start it's gonna say autobot but then that's a transformers thing oh autobot that's transformers oh, though <laughs> man is it oh, i thought it was I mean, we could just call it like tazbot adventures or something like that yeah. I don't know any games that actually use Tazbot in the title. What if his name is Auto Frame? Auto Frame. Frame. I don't know if that's a believable last name. Yeah. There's Super Mario World. Auto World. What if you did Auto Nation? Like automation. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. I like Ooh. it. Just got there. <laughs> All right. Auto Nation. Let's... Oh, I guess, do we spell it like the name or do we spell it like the, like it is an automation? I guess I like, like it is an automation. O-T-T-O. I think that makes the most sense, right? I don't know. I don't know. I could go either way. I'll play around with it in post and yeah, we'll see what whatever looks Whatever looks good in text is the, the okay. answer. <laughs> All right. Um, let's uh, go on to whatever you're bringing us today. Well, in uh, the beginning of the quarantine, it's all fun and games. And what I mean by that is hunger games H. <laughs> jessica and i i had never seen the hunger games movies if you can believe that and i've only uh, seen the first one so yeah that's well that's where i was i had seen the first one and i was like i don't need to finish this is fine <laughs> but uh i have to say i think they go places and it was a kind of cool story so i want to do a like a shared world a sort of uh a game where you play a character who's a member of a district you choose your district at the start of the game imagine kind of mmo style mm-hmm. really you are a have a pretty mundane job you have you're a tailor or a baker or something like that you need to go out and just hunt for food and it's kind of a survival game but with crafting and minecraft like building a little town and then once let's say a week uh <laughs> The Hunger Games is played. Yeah, the Hunger Games really go up in frequency in this uh, fiction. Someone from your district is chosen to compete in the Hunger Games. It could be you. And the Hunger Games is almost a Battle Royale-style game with all of the sort of Hunger Games rules applied to it. And the winning district gets special bonuses for the week. All right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and start the clock there, then. So when... uh... When Battle Royale games started coming out, people often used the Hunger Games as kind of like a shorthand to get people to understand what was going on in the first place. So are we essentially kind of just reverse engineering? We're taking a standard Battle Royale setup and basically just adding like a week of waiting around in between battles? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that like there's probably some like mundane. Well, I don't necessarily want to use the term mundane, but... There's definitely some sort of light combat and stuff that you can get into during the week. Um, but I think like you spend the week like leveling up a skill and uh, potentially like 
I think in the fiction of the Hunger Games, the more you say buy equipment or buy things that uh, increases the number of times your name ends up in the Hunger Games pool. Because if you get killed in the Hunger Games, we should like take a bunch of stuff away from you. You see, what could be interesting is if you played kind of like a city management type of role and you really got to know each of these people within your town, um, kind of like XCOM soldiers and there's a permadeath whenever somebody dies within the Hunger Games. And so, you know, you can kind of, yeah, kind of keep a loose eye on how the other towns are doing, whether there's any, you know, particular people within that town that you should be afraid of. And you can kind of choose who you're sending to each of these games based on <laughs> maybe your your best person that maybe somebody's a really good kind of like farmer in the off times and you can choose like, well, obviously they're not going because they're useless in a battle and I need them when when we're in between uh when we're fighting, you know, and uh, maybe there's somebody who's, you know, been through three Hunger Games already and has really leveled up and has become like a pretty, pretty immense warrior. And then, you know, it looks like all the other towns are just sending a bunch of scrubs into battle. Let's not risk our highest rated person because if they die, then we're that sets us back quite a bit. I, but I, I think that there's something to the Hunger Games where like there's kind of no choice that that unfortunate gut-wrenching feeling of this person is going to have to fight for their life is kind of interesting to me, but I, I'll say this, uh, and this should be approximately no surprise to you. I started with the city builder in my mind. I was like, you know what? If I show up with a city builder, it's just going to murder me. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, uh, to, to that point, I was also like, would it be interesting to be the capital uh, and play like a city builder of like trying to run all the different districts and keep them producing the things that the capital needs. And then, um, at regular intervals have to host the hunger games and, and, you know, you can kind of play the role of sponsor and, and that sort of thing. But I, I also do like the idea of, you know, Katniss's journey of hunting squirrels and (laughs) trying to, survive in this barter system and having a job and then all of a sudden one day oh you're a combat person and it could be that you you play the game for a long time and never get chosen to be in the hunger games what if you made it what if you made it this age a monthly or even semi-annual event let's say seasonal every 12 weeks uh it's a seasonal event and you can go into the hunger games if you die in the hunger games you lose. You die in real life. You die in real life. Uh, no, but you you lose your character. Like you actually have yeah. to start the game again. Is that like insane? Would everybody rebel against that? I mean, it's interesting. It's kind of like uh, like Dungeons and Dragons rules. The only thing is, like, if we're competing against other humans, then uh, you know the kind of the haves and the haves not becomes very apparent. Yeah. And uh, the people who have you know, gone through multiple hunger games, kept their character. Presumably their character is getting more and more powerful as they go. They get better equipment. They get, you know, more endorsements and stuff. And, and so the people who are already better at the game are just going to, that uh, margin is going to be increasing. And so this could be, maybe the character gets older and gets worse over time. (laughs) You know, they've, they, they carry forward all of the injuries that they receive. Uh, And so in that way, if somebody has like seven crowns on their name, 
yeah. then you know you can be pretty sure that they're going to be like they're going to be a skilled player but they're also going to be pretty like pretty much a sitting duck because you know there's no way they're getting out of seven battles without taking you know a couple shots to the foot what if we did this because i think the universe might have a solve for us here what if every 12 weeks we host a hunger games and if you win the hunger games you don't have to compete again okay all right uh <laughs> And so now you actually get to like meaningfully like keep your character progress all, you know, you don't have that. There's no longer fear of like, can this be taken away from me or any of that stuff? Like you actually live a life of peace and you get better resources and stuff for yourself. And then what you do is you do a Fortnite season two sort of thing where like end in the hunger games or you're like, guess what? Um, after season, you know, five completes, uh, everybody's name goes back into the pool or something like that and really shake things up. I'm I'm so fascinated when I like see these Eve online stories and like people lost real life $10,000 and I'm like, wait a second, what happened? Well, but let's, let's presume that in this game we're creating, actually playing the battle royale is probably the most fun part of it. And so if somebody wins, like obviously they're somewhat invested. I don't want to just say like, all right, Great. We'll see you in season two. Right, right, <laughs> Have right. fun playing something else for the next six months. Yeah. Well, I do think also they, they have in that kind of first Hunger Games are like, hey, these are people who their district usually wins. They, they train constantly for the Hunger Games. Um, and that's really all that they care about. They're, they were called like careers or something like that. Um, maybe there's like a... It's like the same way that you choose a role-playing server or not. Each of the districts gets sort of some level of intensity that you're you're looking to participate. And the ones that are more pacifist maybe have more people in them. So the chances of your name getting picked are, are smaller and smaller. Uh-huh. Okay. Um... I'm just thinking, like, can you take... The thing about a Battle Royale match that is both good and bad, the thing that's probably made it successful, but the thing that would be the biggest change to it is the second that you're done, there's just another one to move on to relatively quickly. What if, mm -hmm. like, it meant something to win that match? The pacing would probably completely change. And I think, like, carrying your character forward is enough of, enough of, like, something to kind of set it apart from the current battle royales, you know, ways of making the next fight riskier. Like, there's, um, gosh, I wish I could think of an example. I don't know if Killer Instinct might do this, but um, there's there's some fighting game that I've played where your character, you know, at the end of round one, your character doesn't heal back up. You know, they they keep the life bar that they had at the end of round one. So if you're just like, if you're fighting on pixel health at that point, then round two starts and you can you're just one hit until you're dead. You know, you don't you're not setting yourself an entire round ahead of your opponent, and it's you know it's kind of like that, but in a battle royale shootery type of setting. Yeah, you could also, like a big change that the Hunger Games doesn't necessarily do is the circle mechanic you have a chance to kind of walk away from. Like, what if the, because you're going to lose everything, mm. you don't do the circle, you can literally, at the, everybody in the game can watch the Hunger Games happen, so we can all watch the same match, and it turns it into an, almost a television event like the Hunger Games would be. <laughs> And uh, as people die, their names are shot up into the sky. You do the whole thing and potentially a match lasts days. Who's going to die first? Interesting. 
Um, Two people could like kite each other around the entire map for hours and hours. Eventually somebody's got to go to bed. <laughs> and just the fact that like people can walk away from it at any time and can basically just say like, all right, uh, I don't, I don't like where this one's going. So I'm just going to go home. Yeah. And you, you have the whole mechanic of, you know, the people running the game, let's say it's you and I, like we have tricks up our sleeves that people don't know about. If contestants try and do a, uh, we're not going to kill each other and two people are going to kind of live in this hunger games mesh in perpetuity. We can be like, all right, we're going to send in some things that uh, are probably going to kill one of you. And we're going <laughs> to have some forcing functions or whatever, but like actually have the players dying be partially a conversation, not only with the audience, but with the, uh, with the game masters. All right. Let's, let's, uh, close it down and give it a name. Hard not to call it the hunger games, but, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's find a way to the hunger games, the game, <laughs> the hunger games, the game. Um, <laughs> it's got a ring to it. Um, you could call hunger it games, like the movie, the game. <laughs> oh, well, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We call it Peter Jackson's The Hunger Games, the game, the movie, uh, or the movie, the game. There's no like MMO or anything like this. So we could just call it Hunger Games Online. Hunger Games Online. Let's, uh, let's, Very let's find 96 of us. Yeah. Let's find some like little injection of fun that we can put in there as well. I was starting to think of like a term like District Wars or something. Or, uh, let's see, massively multiplayer online role-playing hunger game. It's quite a mouthful. Um, let's see. Is there a Katniss joke to be made here? Or a mocking Jay? See, I don't even know what these things are anymore. The Hunger Gamers. The The Hunger uh, Gamers. Hunger Gamers Online. <laughs> Hungry Gamers. <laughs> <laughs> That's really dumb. It's, but listen, we still need that SEO juice. If you want to do the Hunger Games, Hungry Gamers, that <laughs> that is a legitimately ridiculous title that I'm a hundred percent behind. Okay, well, we can uh, we can do that, and um, we're Hungry Gamers: colon, The Hunger Games Online. <laughs> I like that. That's that, that feels like a good structuring. Um, all right, let's. Um, Let's move on to the community. This one comes from uh, Lucinda Indie. Uh, we always do appreciate those indie developers, so thank you for sending this one in. Um, this one, <coughs> there's uh, two emails uh, from Lucinda who says, I want confirmation you are real by I send a pick. Come once more is two plus two. Send from my iPhone. And the second email reads, I want confirmation you are real by I send a pic. Come once more is two plus two. Send for my iPhone. So identical messages, but um, yeah, I think there's a there's a, a meaning in repeating it. So let's um, let's decipher and find out what's going on with Lucinda and her indie game. Uh, I'm gonna start the clock there. I think that there's also, I mean, let's not forget this. This is kind of an important detail for me as well. It was sent to us. On a BCC, <laughs> then, mm, but it right. was mostly sent so to... So presumably it was sent to... Uh, the BCC list is probably longer than the Bible. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's, and it says in my mail client anyway, to undisclosed recipients. Mm -hmm. 
which is uh, pretty good. So we need a game about confirming something by sending a photo. I feel like <laughs> you've definitely pitched that before, actually, now that I think about it. I mean, that there's a, uh, you could turn this into like a zoological or cryptozoological researcher who has to take pictures of mythological creatures to confirm that they're real. Oh. I don't know what I want to do with this come once more statement. Uh, that gets us into dicey territory. Yeah, I mean, well, we should point out it's spelled C-O-M-E. Right. But it is also, it also says send for my iPhone. <laughs> Uh, it has a two plus two um, maths equation at the end there. So even if we were to send a picture, but um, we we were unable to do simple addition, uh, presumably that would also lead to a fail state. What else? I'm trying to think about. I'm trying to think about like what you need a photo plus math. Maybe this is a game where like you're you're given like math equations and then somehow you have to take a <laughs> photo that uh, that answers the equations. That's kind of fun. This could even be kind of like a like an early childhood type of thing, like a teaching type of tool. You know, we, we do so many games that are like, oh, we're going to build a city and we're going to, you know, have three layers of the economy and all this, you know, yeah. which is fine and dandy. But like, you know, kids, kids want to play games, too. And sometimes no kids shame kids in making something simple. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I learned all about game uh, all about math and stuff with games like elmo's number adventure growing up and uh well i i didn't learn much but uh, i did play a demo of it on a pizza hut demo disc at one point um but i i think that there's there's fun to be had here so you know maybe you're in a 3d world and you're just you're given an equation you know what is two plus two and you have to take a picture of something in the environment that there is four of. So, you know, four cows in the pasture, four, uh, four spokes on the bicycle wheel or something like that, you know, and uh, maybe the challenge comes in like isolating that. So you're not accidentally getting a picture of two clouds in the background or, you know, two frogs next to the bicycle wheel or something like that. Yeah, if you're doing something like solving for, you know, maybe something in geometry, you have like an intermediate or an advanced mode where you're doing an equation, it, it mm -hmm. uh, ends up in a certain calculable um, uh, angle, and then you have to find something that is kind of askewed at that <laughs> angle. It's like you solve for this big, long algebraic equation, come out with X equals 12, and then the next task is like... Find 12 something in your environment. <laughs> How many cows? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what would the payoff be? Because I feel like if you if you did it more about like geometry or, you know, you, you get into the realm of the witness or something like that, where mm, yeah. the environment itself at certain angles is locking up and or maybe it's freeform. Maybe the answers are really all over the island and you're just choosing your interpretations of them. Interpretations? How so? so? I'm saying like, oh, if you can get two objects to line up, like the camera is smart enough to to detect like, oh, mm -hmm. you you did solve it. Of course, you don't want to get like false positives, which Maybe you can only solve it once you get the question. Mm -hmm. You'd need a pretty smart camera. Pretty smart smartphone camera. I mean, this could thing. even be a smartphone game that detects patterns in your environment. And we've definitely pitched stuff like this before. But, uh, you know, you can take a picture of, you know, four amiibo on a shelf or something. And the game 
would have to have some way of like parsing what it's looking at, which is a difficult task to achieve, but maybe someday it, it could be possible. You know, what if we, what if we step outside of video games for a second? Mm-hmm. What if we made an app and the, <laughs> that's a fam- famous last words. What if we made an app? <laughs> um, what if we made an app that was literally for teaching math where somebody can like put out a math question and, you know, your math teacher is always like, hey, you got to show the work, show the work. This thing, you do the work on your notebook, your piece of paper, whatever. It is able to, you know, use OCR, accurately see what your work was, can in real time use AR to help you solve where you went wrong Mm. in your equations. I mean, you could also create an app that counts things in real time. So you can just point it at like a flock of crows and it'll count how many there are. Although that is a less impressive of technology than the one that you pitched. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think that that's, if you guys see like, um, if you saw like a flower and you were able to like tap on a petal and isolate the petal and it's like, there are 3000 petals Mm. within view. That is, that's insane technology. I mean, presumably that kind of thing could be done in a video game where everything is kind of like 3D modeled and known where you can tap a blade of grass and it can tell you exactly how many are currently in frame, um, how many in total are on the island. But I don't know if that is a hook unless uh, I guess what could be interesting is like maybe the numbers that you're trying to photograph are so huge that you're basically like, you know, you're, you're trying to assess, it's almost like, uh, counting the jelly beans in a giant jar type of thing that you would get at like a party where like the person who gets the closest to it ends up winning, I don't know, some amount of money or all of the jelly beans or something. But so you're given a number like, like 12,000 or something like that. And maybe like you and your friends can kind of like challenge each other, kind of like a game of horse. The closest that somebody gets to photographing something with that number of objects in it. And so you can, you can shoot the, the ground at the beach and it can count the grains of sand or something like that. And, you know, based on like how much of it is in frame at a time, then you can. And so, you know, you could, uh, you can make it easy on people and say, you just want one of something, or you could, you know, you could do any number and, uh, see who gets the closest, you know, prices, right rules. Yeah, what if you think, what if you did a game where you're on an island, here we go again, the, the, I guess Animal Crossing has got me, what if you're on an island and you, you essentially can collect seemingly anything on the island. And sell but, it? <laughs> exactly, no. Just um, wait until Friday, you're going to love this. What if like you are asked to sort of, almost like a game of Mahjong, sort of collect the island backwards. Like there's a hundred blue flowers. Once you get those, there's 99, uh, you know, gold rocks or something like that. And then like, literally you're going down and down and down until all that's left is like you and a flat piece of land and a single object. And you can collect that. It's almost like this kind of reverse Katamari sort of thing happening. It makes me think of something entirely different. Did did you ever remember back in the 90s or maybe even early? I don't remember, but uh, there was 
like these 3D puzzle sculptures that you would make by stacking like oddly oh, yeah. shaped discs on top of each other and it would oh, turn out to be you know, for, Dark oh, Vader's no, head or something. that's not Puzz 3D. Is that Puzz 3D? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to look that up and see if that's what I'm thinking about. No, Puzz 3D, I think, was literally like styrofoam okay. puzzle pieces, right, no, but I know what you're um, talking about, the discs. Yeah, discs. So you couldn't tell what they were just by looking at them just because they're just kind of oddly shaped discs. But then once you stack them on top of each other, then you know, the structure would start to, uh, to take form, but, um, maybe there's a way of like, you have to recreate different structures and you have to choose, you know, what, what, uh, order all of these, these discs stack on top of each other using kind of context clues. Um, so, you know, like if it's a, a island that you're trying to build, then obviously the, the snowy mountain would be at the very top and the, yeah, the water would be at the very bottom. And then you can kind of like from there find color matches and stuff and try to, you know, align everything. So it builds the mountain and builds the statue or whatever it is that you're trying to build. But anyways, that's uh that's entirely different. So we're <laughs> close on time here. Let's uh let's go in either direction. I I I don't care. Yeah, I do like the idea of collecting a bunch of things on the island, maybe through taking photographs on them and that like um, allows you to either build or deconstruct the entire thing. So, oh, yeah. So maybe once you take a photo of something, it disappears from the island and you're trying to make the entire island go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I, that makes a lot of sense because like the you get that sort of Mahjong-like effect of you actually have to peel away layers of the island to expose... Oh, that's it. Maybe you have to take, oh, you have to take a photo of something and then you have to find a photo of the same phenomenon somewhere else in the island matching, right? And that's what makes both things disappear. And now you have okay. the sort of Mahjong like build down and take away until eventually it's just it's like a memory you. game then. Yeah. It's like you in the ocean. I see. And maybe you can only have like six shots on your camera at any time. So you really have to like you can't just take pictures of everything you see as you go, knowing they'll eventually match. And it right. can be like a competitive thing where two people are, you know, on the same randomly generated island trying to play this memory game in 3D space. I think we've got a speedrunner's dream on our hands here. Yeah, it's a good episode for speedrunners. <laughs> let's let's close it down. Let's come up with a name for it. Mm. So yeah, there's a lot of names like Memory Island and stuff like that, but I feel like we can get clever by naming it after an actual island i want to merge isle of man and mnemonic together because they're like just close enough to where they almost kind of fit but they don't you know there is an island uh i think off of florida off the coast of florida literally called disappearing island (laughs) really yeah and it's called that because once a day or once you know once the water rises the water uh essentially completely drowns the island wow. and so the island goes away at regular intervals wow i, I guess that's a grim precursor for what's going to happen to all coastal territories <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> happy covid vacation mental vacation everybody <laughs> i hope you didn't get too comfy we're back at we'll it we'll get back to global warming before too long don't worry yeah, that's right we can at least move uh, things into existential crisis instead of very real don't leave your house crisis. Well, anyway, that's kind of a nice one. Uh, disappearing Island, you said it was? Disappearing Island. Okay. 
let's uh, name it that. It's a little bit of educational hook there as well. We'll um, call it people... Bennett Fonny's Disappearing <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Excellent. All right. Anyways, thank you very much, Lucinda, uh, Lucinda Indy, for sending that in. And if you would like to submit a game, then you can do so by emailing us, playwrightcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can tweet us at playwrightcast, and in all of those instances, it is spelled P-L-A-Y-W-R-I-T-C-A-S-T. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, and thanks to all the other shows on the Canon Rinse Network. If you're stuck inside, what a great time to give a listen to the back catalog of The Sausage Factory, Sound of Play, and Cane and Rinse. And hey, from from at least me, I'm, but I'm sure both of us here at uh, Playwright, wash your hands. That's right. Just wash everything. Wash everything. Particularly your hands. Yeah. If you just, just be safe. If you're, just be safe. Okay. I'm worried about everybody at this point. All right. Um, now I'm going to deliver a miniature pitch to take us out of the show i kind of like this one enough to make it a full-on pitch but we'll see how it goes yeah it's like a tabletop simulator type of game using little mini miniature figures but uh you actually have to paint them yourself using a kind of an in-game painting tool all right we'll like <laughs> see you next week bye